Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. Joining me this week is one of my best friends, lover of all things baseball, and fellow lover of DC Comics, Corey Sanzone. How you doing today, man? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm hanging in there. A little little sore from all the uh, working out I've been doing post-quarantining. Going after it, man. I'm it's trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, like I do every time I have a new guest, I-, I like to put them kind of on the spot and ask them the simple question. What is your favorite movie and why? So, Corey, what is your favorite movie and why? Uh, I, I have to follow up that question with a question of, Ooh. are we talking jo- in genres? Because I, picking a single movie out of every genre to say as my all-time favorite is nearly impossible. It's a very difficult question. Um, you know what? I'll go with... Uh, let's go with uh, comic book. Let's stick with the theme. Let's go with comic book movies. What's your favorite comic book movies? Favorite comic book movie? That's a tough one because there's really, really, really some good ones. Um, but I'd have to go with V for Vendetta is my favorite comic book movie. Great answer. Not a lot of people think of that as a comic book movie, but it is. It's a graphic they, novel. they did an amazing job with the adaptation. It hits on incredible polit- political issues, many that we face very much right now. Yeah. And um, I don't know, that's just tremendous acting performances. Uh, I mean, Hugo Weaving's voice acting with no facial expression is conveys so much emotionality and drama and flair and everything like that, that I mean, most actors couldn't do that on their best day without a mask on. And it it was just phenomenal. Yeah, man, I have to second that. That's, that's a tremendous movie. Natalie Portman famously shaved her head Mm -hmm. for that movie. Uh, And that performance when she goes out in the rain, Mm -hmm. After she's been released from prison. chills, oh chills, gosh. just just talking about it, chills. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of chills and everything involving chills, sticking with our theme of DC movies this month, we're tackling what I think is the definitive version of my favorite superhero, Superman and Man of Steel. I'm sort of an odd duck in the sense that I grew up as a kid wanting to be Batman, which I think every kid does. But the older I got, the more I wanted to be like Superman. Uh, he gives us an ideal to strive towards, and I always feel really inspired by him. You know, while Superman has grown to be my favorite superhero over the years, I haven't always loved his movies. You know, that includes the Christopher Reeve adaptations and to a lesser extent, Superman Returns. I always felt like they didn't really tackle the weight someone like Kal-El would feel and his decisions and the inner turmoil he would face knowing that he's alone in the universe and the responsibility of, of having godlike power and what to do with that. That leads us to Man of Steel. Uh, a film released on June 14th, 2013. Oddly enough, this episode will be dropping on that same very day. I swear I did not do that on purpose. Worked out. It did, man. Uh, this movie is directed by Zack Snyder. 
and it stars Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, and Russell Crowe. Jesus, that cast. Mm-hmm. Freaking phenomenal. <laughs> uh, Crowe's very underrated in this movie, too. Oh, dude, he's so fantastic. So fantastic. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Man of Steel, the plot synopsis reads like such, according to Google. With the imminent destruction of Krypton, their home planet, Jor-El, played by Russell Crowe, and his wife seek to preserve their race by sending their infant son to Earth. The child spacecraft lands on the farm of Jonathan, played by Kevin Costner, and Martha, played by Diane Lane Kent, who name him Clark and raise him as their own son. Through extraordinary though extraordinary abilities have led to the adult Clark, played by Henry Cavill, living on the fringe of society, he finds he must become a hero to save those he loves the most in a, from a dire threat. Like I said up top, Man of Steel is to me, it's the quintessential Superman movie. It's a brilliant film that transcends the comic book genre that is really, really a, a deep introspective character study about a man who, you know, has great power, who's trying to find his place in the world while also simultaneously being a first contact story of how the world would really react if someone like Superman really existed. But before I get too ahead of myself, uh, Corey, what was the first time you saw Man of Steel and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? Um, I saw it in theaters and um, I, I've always been a big super superhero fan, but Superman in general, um, just to backtrack a little bit, I, I, I agree with you about the original, like the Christopher Reeves movies and then the uh, this was a Superman Returns with yeah. uh, Spacey. And I see some merit in those films. I feel like they follow closely along like the early Superman comics, like the ones that came back, you know, like the, the OG comics that were all happy, boom, pow, smash. Um, You know, I mean, not that they weren't wonderful comics and they are in their own right, but they, they weren't designed to, delve into societal problems or to delve into how the world would react. It was just like, well, it's just, you know, are this perfect, you know, American hero and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And those movies follow that same path. And that's what, to me, when I saw Man of Steel uh, stood out the most is that they actually tried to ground it in. I mean, yes, he is an alien, but he's raised here. So he's at least in his mind human. So he takes the human approach to all of it. Um, reinforced by his, his dad and his parents and, or I guess adopted dad. Um, and it, it really stuck with me that it's like, you're taking a character who, if it happened, you drop him into today's world would be, the most divisive figure to ever step foot on to the planet. And you actually tackle those issues. Whereas in times past, that's not really something that's ever really been addressed. So when, when I saw this film, I, I, I can't even describe how much I enjoyed the fact that they actually 
you know, somewhat asked those difficult questions and, you know, then delved into it further down the line with the subsequent movies. But um, and then showed him from a from a human standpoint, not just this shining figure of light, but like he's dealing with how to fit in and how to be a part of this world and how and do do I have do I show my abilities? Do I not show my abilities? And then sometimes he can't even help it. And they poke through anyway with um I mean, a great scene when he was a kid in school. Yeah. And I like that they actually went that route. It makes it more than it's funny because I think we touch on you'll touch on it later. And and one of the things that they're all the reviews were saying was, well, they, you know, sometimes it tried too much to be a blockbuster. I, I never felt like it was trying to be a blockbuster. I felt like it was trying to ask difficult questions, but you also have to have some action in a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, I, I I was blown away by it when I first saw it. I loved it. And as I've gotten older and watched it more times and countless more times, um, to me, it's right up with there, right up there with the best, the best superhero movies ever. Yeah, man. Well, well said. You know, I, I echo those sentiments on the, the Christopher Reeve movies. They, I admire what they go for. You know, it's taking from the golden age of comics with that Superman being the, you know, saving kittens out of a tree kind of Superman, you know, that kind of yuck, yuck Superman. But that doesn't apply in today's world anymore. It doesn't. And it doesn't really work. It doesn't translate. And it's not really relatable Mm -hmm. at all. And the thing that I find the most fascinating about this Superman and this iteration of him is that he's very relatable despite being infinitely powerful and an alien not actually human yeah and not not a human and it's his heart that makes him human it's those struggles that make him human and that's what makes this movie so gosh darn relatable you know the the first time I saw Man of Steel was it was at the theater I was working at at the time and they do well I don't know if I can actually say this but they do uh, at least when I worked there at this theater they would preview movies beforehand um, for for screeners for employees so they could see it if they were working the next day or working that entire weekend um, and I remember being incredibly excited because Superman, like I said, is my favorite hero, but to me, I had never really seen him done right on the big screen. You know, it wasn't until I heard Christopher Nolan was producing a Superman film with Zack Snyder directing. And to me, that's just an incredible mixture because you have powerful storytelling with Nolan's style of storytelling with incredible visuals that Zack Snyder is able to do. Um, and of course, when that trailer played in front of the dark Knight rises uh, with the, what's the song that plays when Gandalf dies in um, the fellowship of the ring. Uh, I forget the name. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, song, I know exactly. What, I can't think of, I can't think of the actual name of the song, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and they had the narration. There was two teasers. They had the narration from Jonathan Kent by Kevin mm-hmm. Costner and um, Jorel. Yeah, and I just remember seeing both versions of it and thinking to myself, "Oh my god, they're actually going to take this serious." Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. 
Um, but of course I was a little nervous cause I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score for the movie before I actually saw the movie. So I was like, Oh no, I'm going to be let down again. Cause the, the reviews much like the character in this movie. So it's a little poetic was very divisive, you know, it's sitting right in the middle, you know, but however, to my surprise, I was, I was blown away by the sheer brilliance of this movie. You know, it's, it's visually stunning. The last hour or so is completely action packed. It's very emotional. It's, you know, thought provoking and, and really it's, it's inspiring. Again, though, to me, what makes this movie so special is that at its heart, it's a movie about a man really trying to find his place in the world and how to wrestle with that godlike power and what to do with that power exactly. You know, and it, like you were talking about earlier, it, tackle, it tackles, you know, how the world would really respond to someone like Superman if he really existed and what someone like that would do to this world in our way of thinking. You know, plus Hans Zimmer's Superman theme in this movie. My God, it's unbelievable. Well, anything Hans Zimmer does is just tell me a bad score that he's ever done. There isn't one. (laughs) There isn't one. Dude's a legend. He is. You know, I'm just I'm still overwhelmed by this movie. It's, in my opinion, the single most underrated superhero film ever made. And as time goes on, it will become the most admired or one of the more admired superhero films, much like how the shining is to horror and blade runner is to sci-fi that neither were really all that loved when they came out, but became like legendary as time went on. Exactly. You know, those were two movies that a lot of people didn't really like when they came out. You should go back and really read those reviews. They're scathing. Mm -hmm. Um, But now you wouldn't know that. Most no, people. they're they're i they're icons in film. Like yeah, yeah, and I, I think this movie is going to age exactly like that, and you already see it happening. Well, so. I think I think part of so that, I mean there was multiple things that I think critics didn't like. So I mean you got to think about what was happening in 2013. I mean you have the you're seeing the the true rise of Marvel and the the commercial success from like the no me wrong I love the Marvel movies but especially early on they weren't they weren't tackling any transcendent questions I mean no. it, it, they were they were fun and action packed and awesome and glorious to behold but like they, I mean they weren't really diving deep but they were successful they were fun to watch and the critics were eating them up and yeah. then here comes Man of Steel. And while DC touched on it some and actually quite a bit in one of my all time favorites with Dark Knight of like the, the troubles of humanity and actually feeling a little bit more grounded um, with Superman, I think people have this expectation and they tried to flip that expectation and I thought did a great job of it. But critics are critics sometimes. And oh, Superman, like he's not a <sighs> Why is he conflicted? He knows who he is. It's like, well, maybe in the 1930s comics, but they're trying to change that view. And and then, to, you know, extrapolate on that, like the end scene with, with Zod, with, you know, oh, Superman can't kill. I'm like, 
come on, guys. Like you, you see got- Superman too, right? <laughs> right. And but they, they they neglect that. Like that doesn't sha sha, you know. And I, I don't I don't know. I I was I was disappointed. And like after I saw I saw the movie before I read reviews, and I was blown away. And then I'm reading reviews. And I'm like, what, did we watch the same movie? Like did I did I miss something? Because I was floored by how good that movie was. And uh, yeah. there was just so many elements of it that that just stand out and stick with you. And I mean, this this in the same year, right? Actually, shortly before the movie came out, one of my all time favorite Superman. Oh, oh, my dog just scared me. Sorry about that. He just came up and licked me in the ear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my uh, my all time favorite Superman comic book came out and that comic book was uh earth one the earth one series and they essentially like rehash his origin story and then his rise to you know prominence but it also tackles the should i shouldn't i um it, it starts off with him as a teenager and how he's you know growing into what kind of man he wants to become. And, you know, it really tackles those difficult questions. And then the movie echoed that comic and, and that asking these also very, very difficult questions. And, um, I, I was just, I was happy to see it not try and follow the same path as Marvel, um, to not try and be, I, I mean, Sometimes, I mean, one of the things that they always gripe about is these movies take themselves too seriously. I'm like, well, you know what? Sometimes serious questions need to be posed. That, and, and it's also, it's like, I, again, I, I don't really like comparing Marvel and DC. And the reason I don't is because it's like comparing apples to oranges. They're well, both fruit. Their universes are so different. Yeah, they're both fruit, but they taste completely different. Right. And... <laughs> you need that bit of difference within your genre. You need to be able to play within your genre, you know, like if I can go ahead and and skip ahead and we can talk about it further, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie is 56% with the consensus being Man of Steel's exhilarating action and spectacle can't fully overcome it. And it deters into generic blockbuster territory which i don't agree with at all honestly the funniest thing is i would almost say the opposite don't get me wrong the action in it is great it's awesome to watch but i wouldn't say it's action in itself distinguishes it from any other superhero movie like all superhero movies have great action sequences that's that's the point Part I wouldn't of it. say that, that its sequences set itself aside that I was like, wow, that's something I've never seen before. Like it was it was great to watch, but it it's it was the character study and and the and the drama intermingled in between that that's what for me set it apart. Yeah, me too. Like it played out a lot like Batman begins almost with its, you know, uh What's it? it's it's not linear you know what's it's not a linear storytelling because it cuts back and forth to doing flashbacks what's mm-hmm. that called um I'm but, talking the wrong person there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it it decides to do like a non 
non-linear. There we go. I don't know why I said that. It's early in the morning, guys. But um, it's non-linear storytelling structure was, I I love that kind of storytelling. And it kind of took a note from Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Makes sense, considering he helped produce it. Yeah. And in fact, the rumor is, is that David Goyer and Christopher Nolan started writing this movie uh, during pre-production of The Dark Knight Rises because they were having a bit of story issues with The Dark Knight Rises. So in order to take kind of like a reprieve, they got into this. That's cool. I didn't know that. It's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, that's just the rumor. I don't know how true that is, but. You can you can tell Kurt Nolan had a, a a hand in this story, but like you you said, like I don't think this movie as and I get opinions are subjective, but you know to me and to you, this movie is not generic by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it doesn't really necessarily have a formula that it follows. Yeah, it takes a page out of the you know the Dark Knight trilogy in terms of its first movie and its nonlinear storytelling, but really this is the first time Superman has been taken serious, you know, and we'll, we'll touch on a little bit earlier, you know, but you know, it makes him make difficult decisions like killing Zod, unlike in Superman two, where, you know, he takes Zod's powers away from him, breaks his hands and pushes him off a ledge. That's like, right. It plays it up for like silliness. This, you know, the death of Zod really emotionally impacts Superman. It's not supposed to be comfortable. No, he he had to choose between taking a life in his own hands and saving innocence, you know, yeah. and because Zod would not have stopped. No, and no one or nothing on the world could have stopped him at the time. Nope. You know, Batman well, was... well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman was around. But... Well, so was the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that comes true. <laughs> Hopefully, man. My fingers are crossed with that. I, I can't wait for the Snyder Cut. Me too. That's a whole other discussion, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun. I can't yep. wait. All right. Let's get into some fun facts here. Henry Cavill said that the most difficult part of making the or making the movie was definitely his two shirtless scenes. He had been training months prior to filming, but for his uh, his calorie intake or his shirtless scenes, he was went on an extremely difficult diet training and training regimen in which his uh, calorie intake was cut from 5,000 to nearly 1,500 for six weeks. Uh, after six weeks, his body uh, has reached, he reached a body fat level of just 7% the level achieved by professional bodybuilders and during competition. I know a little something about that and it sucks. (laughs) Henry said he did, he did this because he wanted to make his abs as pronounced and his muscles as defined as humanly possible to create the best possible Superman physique. Uh, Cavill returned more to a more manageable routine after those scenes were shot, but felt his effort was rewarded when audiences and critics alike praised his physique for the true embodiment of what Superman would look like. And that's honest to God truth. My God. Um, I mean, man crush over here on that one. (laughs) 
he looks he's the he looks like the perfect guy. Yeah. Like, screw that guy, man. <laughs> it's just not fair. Um, but this is funny. After he shot the shirtless scenes, director Zack Snyder gave him a tub of ice cream and pizza to reward him for his Herculean like efforts. I mean, he just earned every bit of it. Like, yeah, I, I, it's funny. Like we all, I mean, we all could watch that and be like, "What do I have to do to look like that?" But to actually do that, the the amount of work. And effort, and then the calorie cutting, and like it's just—I mean, he earns every bit of praise that he got. And I mean, not just that, but I think a lot of, a lot of—I mean, one of the things I remember reading is that his his um, his portrayal was—I think the word that I read was wooden. But I thought his acting was excellent. Um, I did too. I, I mean, the whole point is that he's trying to be reserved; that he's trying not to open up not just not just to the world but like even open up his personality to himself um he doesn't know who to be so he's trying to you know measure everything that he does and says and i i mean i guess that's why they said it came across as wooden but i i saw it as like it's it's a guy that's i don't want to say shy is the right term but you know very introverted and interpersonal and all he wants to do is fit in but also doesn't know you know what to do to do that so it's going to come across as somebody that's um i don't know wouldn't isn't the right term but i don't know what the term i'm looking for is but he's he's introverted and he's he's a little reserved and reserved because he's trying to put down his abilities to try to blend in because he, you know, fears rightfully. So what the world would do if they found out someone like him really existed and what that would do and the implications of that. But, you know, having done bodybuilding, I've done five bodybuilding shows. And let me just tell you the, the last two weeks, when you're getting down to that 7% body fat, that 6% body fat, oh my God, it sucks. <laughs> so I, 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 I can, I can relate. <laughs> I can relate that that's not fun. So yeah, he does. He deserved his ice cream and pizza, which is usually my go-to post shows as well. Who doesn't love some pizza? I can always smash in some pizza. Oh yeah, man. It's so good. All right. The idea for Superman's S shield means hope is taken from uh, Mark Wade's Superman birthright comic. The S shield is the Kryptonian symbol for hope and Superman and the 1978 created the concept concept of the shield of Krypton Herald for the house of L, which is pretty interesting. Mm hmm. Um, I don't really have much more to add to that. <laughs> Actually, I do. Um, no? Because it leads into, like, when they really kind of bring that out during the, you know, quote, interrogation scene. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because, I, <clears throat> I don't know, it's just, a, it's like, it's subtle humor without being <clears throat> um, just the blatant slapstick. Or even so, like some of the other movies that kind of jump into, like, truly trying to make a joke. Like, I love that he's sitting in 
Superman sitting in an interrogation room with, with hand- handcuffs on. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, and then I love that, like, he, he kind of just, I don't want to say he's over it, but he just stands up and just as casually as just separating his hands. Yeah. Pop, <laughs> and, and I, I, I love the scene and I love like the, the, just the overall feel of it. And I love that they all kind of jump back. But if you watch that scene over again, you know who doesn't jump back? It's uh, Amy Adams, right? Well, she doesn't. But also who doesn't is, and again, Snyder verse hope here. The Martian Manhunter doesn't. Yeah. He he literally just stands there and see and watches it happen. Because if you believe in the rumors and you believe in it, Lennox is the Manhunter. And he already knows that. He knows who Superman is, you know, and I, I don't know. I loved I loved every bit of that scene. Uh, that was it, it just it was perfect. And I love like the the beauty of of the the ass on the chest and making it mean more than like, I mean, if you think about it, like I get in the original comic like S for Superman. But if it was somebody from a, another planet, his name isn't Superman. So why would he wear an S? there so i like that they gave it a more significant meaning and also you know the whole duality of him being human in his heart but at the same time the shield that's over his heart is from his essentially is his family's logo um or at um like coat of arms yeah and it, it just it adds so much more depth and layer to the character and more to the suit than just, you know, the blue suit with Superman. red tights. Yeah. Thank God they got rid of the the trunk. I've never been a huge fan of the trunks. Trunks are I, horrible. They're I horrible. It, I get it comes from like that kind of Greek mythology mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. But I, I'm just not. I've never really been a fan of the red trunks. And I'm happy that they got rid of them. Same here. <laughs> All right, moving on to this one is very interesting. Ben Affleck, and I remember this, Ben Affleck turned down directing the film because he wasn't experienced in visual effects shots. Uh, He says, a lesson I've learned is not to look at movies based on budget, uh, how much they'll spend on effects, or where they'll shoot. Story is what's important. You know, he later obviously appears in... Batman v Superman and he is Batman which is directed by Zack Snyder but I I find that interesting that he was being courted to be a part of the DCEU before Batman v Superman even hit or even started production or Man of Steel started production Warner Brothers really wanted him in this universe uh, I think he would have directed this m- movie just as good. I mean, my God, the guy should have been an Oscar winning director in 2012 when he won every single directing award that year, except the Oscar, which he was not even nominated for, which is just a joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he did win, you know, obviously he won uh, best picture for Argo that year. Um, and 
I think he would have done a, a really, really good job at directing Man of Steel. However, it would have been missing that visual flair that Snyder has. Well, I mean, I'm kind of happy. Snyder has um, a divisive flair in and of himself. Yeah. He does. Uh, for all his, don't get me wrong, I, I love Zack Snyder. He makes some of my favorite movies ever um i mean people can can you know find faults in anything but i mean i remember when 300 came out that movie just everybody's jaw was on the floor and sucker punch while it has its faults was visually just oh that movie is amazing to watch yeah if you have if you have like a 4k tv and a surround sound system and you can just blast that movie Oh, that movie. I don't even, it's just a good popcorn flick. It's just fun to watch. So like when I found out that he was directing Man of Steel, I was very happy, but I didn't realize how good of a storyteller that Snyder was until I saw Man of Steel. And then that continued into BBS and then was going to continue into Justice League. And I mean, he was setting things up in Man of Steel that we didn't even know for three, four, five films later to become a thing. I mean, he was building a universe. And while I think that Affleck would have done a very good job, it's not like he isn't a wonderful director or writer. Um, but I, I loved that Snyder had this goal in mind and this vision in mind. And I'm not sure if Affleck would have done the same. Who knows? He might have done more. Um, But then when I read, I mean, originally when they were saying the the Batman was going to be um, Affleck and BBS, and then he was helping to write and direct his own single Batman movie that was going to tie into the DCEU. I was very, very excited because from everything I've seen and read, like Affleck and Snyder have a very good relationship. So, you know, there would have been some, if the continuity would have stayed, that input would have been there and we would have been weaving a very complex and deep and I mean, hard hitting universe. Yeah. Like Um, the way that, he was able or Zack Snyder was able to create what he's dubbed as his Snyder verse. It's absolutely incredible, man. Like I adore what he was setting up. It's a shame that he didn't really get to finish it. Um, which, you know, obviously now he's getting the opportunity to with, his version of justice league, but you're still going to always end up with that little bit of yeah hang, you know, like, cause he didn't set it up to only be three films, no. you know, he, he set it up to be way more and unless, I mean, who knows? I mean, if, if, if his version comes out and it is renowned and loved, it seems like DC and Warner brothers are, I don't want to say, for lack of a better term, realizing their mistake and trying to do something to reverse it. And then if it does, and but in a lower risk format, and then if it 
the way it seems to me is that they seem to think that if by some chance it does really well, like, holy crap, everybody loves it. It's incredible, blah, 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 that they can then be like, all right, well, let, let's keep going, you know, because it seems like they're trying to get Cavill back. That's what, you know, like the rumors are going around. Yeah, and please, please, please. <laughs> and and I hope that if it has the success, they can get get me some more bat flack, man. I, I we'll get into it when we talk about Batman versus Superman. But as much as Cavill is in my mind the perfect Superman, I can't, Ben Affleck played an incredible, incredible Batman and an even better Bruce Wayne. I couldn't agree more. He is. We'll we'll get into it more with BVS when we talk about that. But Ben Affleck as Batman is the much like Henry Cavill is my quintessential Superman. Ben Affleck is my quintessential Batman. He just fits it. The physicality, the psychology of him. He just gets Batman and understands him. And it it's it's a shame that we only are going to get him in two movies as Batman. I mean, he's in Suicide Squad, but that's different. It's cameo. Hey man, I'm I'm going to keep my I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we get more. Maybe, maybe. Hopefully, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm still really excited to see Pattinson, but uh, as Batman, I, I I really like him as an actor. Well, if anything, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker can show that you can have multiple characters under the same name that don't have to be tied in. Yeah. So and I think that's what Matt Reeves is going to be doing with, with his version of the Batman. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I just hope it doesn't. Oh, I, I, a, I hope it doesn't bomb because if it does, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that just be like that. They follow the same standard as like what the Joker was that it was, it's independent, you know, like it's, it's an independent film. It doesn't need to be taken as anything more than that. So that it leaves open the DCEU aspect of if Batman or Affleck can come back because for me, I need more Batman and I need Deathstroke and I need more Lex Luthor. I need more of this universe, which we'll get more into with BBS and then oh, yeah. you know, down the road. But like we can circle back to Man of Steel because we got a little on tangent here. Fanboy. <laughs> but uh, overall, I just I look forward to more out of this. And it seems like the the people now that are in charge of it have the same appreciation for Man of Steel and bvs as we do yeah. where i feel like the the people that were in charge at the time were i don't know if they got caught up in the well we need to make it more marvel or we like need to make it more commercially red you know and then anytime almost i can only name off the top of my head in the last 10 years one movie that was dramatically reshot and it worked well and i was rogue one and World War Z. And World War Z. World War Z was really good, too. I forgot about that one. That but, like, most of the time when you get into huge reshoots, there's problems. Yes. It, and, it, and it creates an, a, a non-cohesive film that you just... It just doesn't work. 
because you're getting too many creative minds involved. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yep. Speaking of a lot of cooks in a kitchen, look at how many actors were rumored or auditioned at least for Superman. You have Matthew uh, Goody. I don't. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, Goody. Goody. I don't know. I don't know. Army Hammer. Matt Bomer. Joe Manganiello, Zach Efron, Colin Dunago. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I am, I'm butchering that man's name, and I'm very sorry. Uh, we're on the short list to to lead the role. Henry Cavill was finally cast, though. He was the front runner runner to play Superman in another Superman movie, which was titled Flyby. That's famously J.J. Abrams' Superman movie, but the movie failed to be greenlit and Brendan Routh was cast as Superman and Superman returns instead. Cavill was also the runner up to play James Bond in Casino Royale and to play Batman in Batman begins. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I don't know if I, I mean, he definitely has a physicality to be able to pull off Batman, but he definitely has that more Superman look to him. I like it, him better as Superman. Yes. But as James Bond, though. Oh, don't, don't get me going. I want uh, him as James Bond. I want I want <laughs> him to succeed Daniel Craig. And, don't, and this is with me saying I love James Bond movies. James Bond's movies are, are even the old hokey ones to the new ones. They, they are some of my all-time favorite films. They just something about it you know and listen my favorite james bond one-liner is from probably the worst well probably one of the worst movies i don't know if it is the worst but it's uh the world is not enough and it's the last line of the movie i know exactly what you're saying (laughs) i thought christmas only came once a year yeah yeah oh god it's so james bond you know like i i I don't know i I love all the james bond movies um and i love daniel craig i honestly think pierce brosnan still to me i think is more of what i pictured as james bond when like i was a kid yeah i mean mainly because he was the james bond from when i first started watching james bond yeah we grew up with him right but like tomorrow never dies and goldeneye i mean some oh, they were just unbelievable and but when and when i remember when they went to cast daniel craig for james bond i was like oh i don't know and then casino royale came out and i was like oh he's perfect yeah. <laughs> you know like it, it was so good but i remember when they were casting it that henry cavill was up for it and i was like oh this dude would be perfect because i was I, I watched tutors so i knew him from that and I was like, oh, he would play that. Like He'd have that charisma to play that role perfectly. See, at the time, I only knew Cavill from uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. He played the son of Edmund Dantes. Yes. But at the same time, though, I do think they made the right choice because Cavill was still very young. Yeah. Very, uh, very young. And, and, I, and I don't know if it would have worked as well. Now he is a bit older, a bit more distinguished. Give me Cavill as Bond. I, I, I second that. I second it. And if you don't do that, you need to do Idris Elba. Oh, God, yes. Dude, he would be great. Mm-hmm. He would be fantastic. Hey, we were getting really on out of left field. We went from Man of Steel to James Bond. 
<laughs> hey man, it's on here. It's on here. It's the fun facts. All right. So last- oh, I do want to say though, um, the the person because you were talking about like people that were up for Man of Steel. I remember when they were doing the casting for this that it came out that Matt Bomber was up for it. Yeah, actually, he was the one I wanted to get the role. He looks uh, like Superman because he I I I was watched. Uh, what was the name of that show that he was on? That was on USA. Um, oh, I can't think of that name, but but he was a, a con man in that, and he uh, he had the charisma and. Now, granted, the way that they went with this style of Superman and like the the more um, humble and um, introverted one, I I think yeah. that Cavill was the right choice because Bomber has more of like the boisterous charisma type thing. Um, honestly, I think he would be phenomenal as Green Lantern. That's a good call. I would, I would, I would really, really like to see that. Because Hal Jordan is much more up and, you know, takes shots for sure. And, yeah. You know, and I feel like Bomber would own that role. Yeah, he would be really good in that role. Yeah, I could I, I could totally see that. He has a, a very superhero look to him. Yeah, I, I could totally see that for sure. Uh, last fact we'll get to. According to David S. Goyer, the story's main theme is first contact. And we kind of touched on that a little earlier. He says, we approached Superman as if it were a comic book movie, as if it were real life. He's an alien. If the world found out he existed, it would be the biggest thing that ever happened in human history. Just his existence would change the face of the earth forever. And that's really the big question that this movie poses is how much someone like Superman would change the world. And how does Kal-El Clark Superman, how does he go about navigating that and the pressure he must feel putting with the weight, literally the weight of the world on his shoulders, carrying that burden and knowing that you can stop so many things from happening. But if you unveil yourself to the world, what is that going to do? You know, how, how is the world going to react? What? How not would, well, not <laughs> well. How would religious people react to that? You know, what would the government want to do? Would they want to own him? Would they want to test him? Obviously, yes. (laughs) You know, someone like that existing is very dangerous, especially if they turn out like the kid from Brightburn. (laughs) Someone like Superman, what, what what does he do? And I believe this movie tackles that theme head on and handles it so well. Because you really feel the weight of the world on Henry Cavill's shoulders in this movie. You really, really do. It really does a really good job of putting you in his shoes and how he must feel to be in that position. Um, And it makes Superman very relatable. You know, as we were talking about earlier, the 1970s uh, Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, while I enjoy them for their ideals, they're not 
Superman's not relatable in those movies. No, he's just a a figurehead. Yeah, he's he's not. He is an he is an ideal to strive towards that I can't relate to. And there's something beautiful about how this movie gives you an ideal to strive towards, but someone you can relate to and someone that you can put yourself in their shoes and see how they feel. And you can become empathetic with his situation. And I believe this movie really, really does a really good job. So hats off to David S. Goyer and, you know, Christopher Nolan for coming up with this story. I agree. I, I, I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, like, Really, the only time he's Superman is when he has, you know, he's in public. But the rest of the time, he he do, he's Clark Kent, and yeah. so I mean, it's it, he's as, he's as human, if not more human, than he is Kryptonian, and and I like, and that makes him more that brings out the the relatable aspect of it that um, we can relate to him because he's had human struggles and dealt with trying to fit in and bullying and all while, like we all know that he doesn't have to deal with it. He just does because he wants to be human. Yeah. More than he wants to be anything else. He wants to be human. Yeah. Wants to blend in and he wants to feel connected to something because someone like him definitely must feel lonely. And this movie does a really good job of illustrating that and showing what someone like that must feel like. And I, I really, really appreciate this take on Superman. I really, really do. I love it. Same. But um, before we get to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. Alrighty. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsor. It means a lot over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. But before we get to our awards, I want to address two things. Uh, Firstly, last week I made the little happy accident and skipped over worst performance. However, the reason I'm calling it a a happy accident is because after further thought on the category, I've realized it doesn't really fit my theme of trying to stay as positive as possible. (laughs) And is very inconsistent from week to week. You know, some weeks... I will actually have a bad performance like the teenage actor in Aquaman. But then some weeks I'll have that's like, you know, in Terminator 2, uh, Miles Dyson, his performance was not bad. It just wasn't as it just wasn't. It was kind of a nothing role. which doesn't mean It's a bad performance. It just means it was kind of nothing. And it felt like it was reaching. So to me and for the future of this show worst performance will no longer be an award on the ben davis movie podcast secondly while i do enjoy our long podcast formats from time to time i've i've noticed that it's becoming increasingly long pushing into like the two uh, two hour two and a half hour mark uh, so to speed things up we're still going to go over you know, not just top five, but all of our favorite scenes. I'm going to list them off and we're really just going to talk about the ones that in the moment stick out to to me and the guests that I have on rather than to go into vast detail on every single scene. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoy the changes. 
All right, so moving on to the awards and our favorite scenes and moments. I have 21 scenes listed here. I'm going to rattle them off, and uh, Corey, I'll throw it to you to talk about the ones you you really want to talk about. Sounds good. All right. <clears throat> I have Jorel gets the codex as Krypton goes to war with itself. Jorel and Loras and Kalel to Earth. Jorel versus Zod. The I will find him moment. Superman saves the oil rig. Oh, we got we got it. We got to stop. Let's do it in sections. <laughs> you want to do it in sections? Yeah. So like like we got the whole Jorel sequence. Um, yes. The the codex part was kind of cool. I I liked like where they were coming with that because it's a different take. Um, that that scene itself was way more epic of an opening than I thought there was gonna be. Um, and I appreciated the the um the physicality. Well, first off, the score was amazing, but I love the the physicality of Jor El. Um, you know, like I, I always dating back to the old one or their older ones or like even in the comics, he's never really ever shown as like a warrior. You know, he's always the scientist. Yeah, um, Marlon Brando. Right. <laughs> but damn, I mean, he, he kicks some ass and, and I mean, he, he beat the mod, which is the punches. He throws, you know, and the punches he throws look so freaking real. Oh man. You, you feel the impact. Like it's like, if I felt like if I got hit by him, I'd be on the floor in like two hits. Yeah. Like he kicks the shit out of his yeah. You're like, Whoa. And, <laughs> and I feel like it. And on top of it, like you also, you got to look at an aspect of, and I, I mean, I have a different, a little bit different perspective being a dad, but he's not just fighting for, you know, the saving of his people with, you know, the codex and all that, but ultimately he's fighting for his son, which yeah. I can relate in the, I mean, I'm going to have a son, I have a daughter, but ain't nobody stopping me from protecting my kid, you know, yeah. and those punches are going to carry a little extra weight when you're talking about your own child. Yeah. And, and you could feel it in his delivery of it, you know? And, and like, like I said, Russell Crowe is very, very, very underrated in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. He, he um, is. He, he really captures the spirit of Jorel, and he has a lot more to do than just the first, you know, 30 minutes and then being a talking head. Right. He's a lot, he's more present, even though he's technically a hologram when we see him again. Right. Um, of course, I have the, you know, I will find him moment. I will find him. <laughs> uh, see, I, if, I, if I had a part of I don't want to I don't know how to say this. It's not that I dislike disliked Shannon as Zod. I think he gets the brutality part very and the insanity very, very well. Um, And I liked that the fact that like you get a little bit of perspective here. Like, yes, he is a madman, but also he is ultimately, at least at the beginning, just trying to save his people in his way, which may right or wrong. He's just trying to save his people. He reminds me a lot of, if I can compare him to another villain from another superhero film, he reminds me of Eric Killmonger. Yeah. And Black Panther. You, you sympathize with him. You really do. And you're like, man, he just wants what's best but he pushes it too, too far. far yeah um and I, that's I, where that character becomes a villain right 
And and I, you know, I so like at the be- I mean, I I know like your your preconceived notion is Zod, he's a villain, but like when you try and take a step back, at least at the, you know, at least at the beginning, and then when he first comes to Earth, it's like he's trying to he's trying to just save his people. And I mean, ultimately, you're trying to save your. Who cares about other people when you're trying to save your people? You know, like that's like yeah. his idea behind it. Um, save his way of life. Right. So I mean, I I. I I felt like that line and the way that he did it was a little bit, I don't want to say overacting, but a little bit overly dramatic. Hammy. Hammy. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, but overall, I enjoy his performance, especially his more like subtle scenes where he's just like in a conversation. Yeah. Um, I think he does a really good job. Like, I want to say that like it's, that he's insane because he's not. He's a brilliant military mind but he's very singularly minded when you're talking about like his whole goal it doesn't matter what gets in his way his goal is to save his people yeah and not even like save them to rule them like he i I like that they didn't really like have him like he wants to save those people so that he can be in he all he gives a shit about is saving his people even if that costs him his life it's just about that and So, I mean, I, it makes him not just like the brutal dictator character, um, no. which like would have lost him. before his God, you know. Well, I didn't, I missed that. What? The kneel before, before Zod right. line. Right. He's not, yeah, he's not just a dictator. Right. Which he was in the, in two, you know? Yeah. And, and not that it wasn't a good character and I love the way it was played, but like, I just liked that this one was was not so much like the trying to be the man in charge as more just he's just tired of I mean honestly aren't we all the bureaucracy of government that, <laughs> that that impedes progress and he's like screw it I'm done with this council BS I'm just gonna overthrow him and save my, our people from our planet that's dying like and, and in a way like the same goal that Jorel had because he superseded the council by in stealing the codex and imbuing it into Kal-El and sending him away. Like it's, they, they went about it different ways, but they were both kind of going for the same goal. Yeah. And it's, you, they're going for the same goal, but they're going about it in two different ways. Right. You know? And it, it's, I, I just, I really like Michael Shannon in, in, in this movie. I, I thought he was great. That It's just that one line was a little bit too hammy. Hammy's a good word for it. Yeah. I just like it because it's, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> good memes, that's for yeah, sure. He says it like five times. Yeah. yeah. I will find him. I will. Cinema Sins actually has like a really funny thing. It's like they pause it every time he goes, okay, okay, we got you. We heard mm-hmm. you. Jesus, you didn't have to shout. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, all right, so I have Superman saves the oil rig, which shirtless scene, mm. shirtless scene, you know, <laughs> man crush Henry Cavill. But I, I, I feel like that was an important scene, it yeah. is because it shows he's trying to, to blend in, you know, the, the people that he's working with on that uh boat are dicks, right? You know, uh. But it also shows how much he's just, he wants to save people, but he doesn't want to do it in this big, grandiose way. He's kind of going about it almost in a drifter. Right. Like, 
Yeah. I also find it important because in comic books and movies past, he's Superman is pretty much all powerful. Yeah. And I like that at the end of that scene that he can't hold that tower because it shows that while he's insanely powerful, he's not all powerful. And yeah. because like in, in movies past, like if they had that exact same scene in Superman Returns, he'd have been like floating in the air, holding it up with one finger. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's also like it wouldn't make sense because, you know, he's sitting on a uh, on a falling bridge, you know, it's right. a melting oil rig because it's it's on fire. So right. it's obviously if he's holding up that weight, the thing, the structure that he's on is not going to be able to support it. And you see like that start to bend. Right. When he's holding it. Um, and it shows it, it's not weird. It's physics. It's not weird physics like in Superman one where he's holding the plane with one arm outstretched. You know, like, exactly. Okay, how is that happening? Right. Like, I like that they added the, not just the sense of realism, but the also like, it's just, he can't do everything. He can't save and be and, you know, hold everything with like his pinky, you know, like they made him, I don't want to say they depowered him because he's still obviously extremely powerful, but they didn't make him like the, he could spin the globe backwards to rewind time Oh my comic god! Comic book Superman, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would that would uh, send the world off its axis, and we yeah, all you know what I mean? Like I like that they made him not just truly a god being. Yeah, he's. But my favorite shot from that scene, though, is when he's crashed in the water, and he's just sinking water sinking and he just opens his eyes and it's there's something oddly peaceful about it Mm -hmm. about him just kind of just being sunk and it's kind of a metaphor for how he feels as a person he's being held down under the water yep you know no one ever really being able to hear him you know it just it's a it's a deep deep metaphor i like it you know and that obviously it leads to the the flashback scene of him on the bus, you know, saving the kids. Right. You know, again, showing, you know, the bullying, which can we just talk about the insult the redheaded kid gives him? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best. Dick splash? I don't know. What the hell is a dick splash? That That's a weird insult. I've never heard it. Yeah, that's a new one for me. <laughs> that's a new one. But, you know, he saves the bus, which leads to one of the more controversial scenes in the movie, which is the uh, Pa Kent talking to him scene, you know, and him saying, you maybe know, you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't have. And a lot of people read that as man, Pa Kent's kind of a dick. Why would he say he should let them kids die? And right, to me, he's trying to protect his son. Yeah. It's not that he's trying to like say, yeah, you should, you should have let those kids die. He doesn't even know because he's scared that if the world finds out about his son and the truth of him, they'll take him away. They'll take him away from him. And he wants to protect him from, from that. And, you know, this is obviously the scene where he, you know, shows him the ship and where he came from, or, you know, at least what he knows. Right. 
And, you know, because he's like, you know, did God do this to me? And I think the best line from that scene is, can I just keep pretending I'm your son? And he says, you are my son. And it's just, oh, I'm getting chills just yeah. that. I, but then, uh, and, and like, I feel like a lot of people miss the fact that he, he mentioned, he says the whole thing about maybe you shouldn't have. And, and then he makes him not save him from the tornado. Yeah. Um, simply in the same aspect of like, well, he shouldn't, you know, he thinks that maybe he shouldn't have saved those kids. Well, he knows that there's all these people watching. And if all of a sudden he uses his ability to save his dad, everybody's going to see it. And he'd almost, he'd rather himself die than force his son's hand. He wants, he wants Clark to be able to make the decision himself of what to be. Yeah. And I think that that's powerful and it shows growth too. Mm -hmm. And it, also is the biggest character moment you know when we we see pa kent's death where that's the catalyst for superman deciding to help people right well that's the thing is like a lot of people didn't like that they changed the comic book line of because pa kent before dies of a heart attack which is the one thing that superman couldn't save him from yeah. But when he dies from a heart attack, Clark is already Superman. He, he's not still just Clark Kent. And the idea and the change, I think, is that. I don't want to say it pushed him to become Superman, but it influenced his decision, but it was still let it be Clark's decision to yeah. become Superman. And, and it, it was Pa Kent again, wanting to protect his son. Exactly. And. Clark realizing that, you know, I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life, knowing that I could have saved my father and I didn't. Right. And I don't want anyone else to have to lose their father. I'm going to try to save as many people as I can. And like Lois Lane says, the only way for him to go unnoticed, because eventually people are going to notice, is... For him to stop helping people altogether, and that's just not an option for who him. he is. That's just who he is. And of course, um, going back a little bit, you know, the bar bully scene. Is there anything you want to talk about that? I just, that I, is, I enjoy when he goes to punch him and he just bounces off. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> goes to push him and bounces back, and he has that oh shit look on his face. Yeah, <laughs> like uh oh. <laughs> It's it, and of course you know the again the subtle humor of him going out to his eighteen wheeler and realizing that it's been destroyed. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I don't think it was anything. I, I, it just ex- extrapolates the the drifter and the but the fact that he can't not stand up for. I mean, to use a line later, I'm a big fan of truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. <laughs> I needed that line, but. I, <laughs> Uh, I hated that line, but uh, it was so cheesy. It was like right out of a out of Die Hard, but <laughs> yeah, out of uh, Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right? But it, it uh, was, uh, but it, it but it plays when it comes to like you know, like I mean, obviously that dude was being a scumbag and like 
slapped yeah. his ass yeah. and he felt like he needed to step in and do something. And then, you know, but then it messed up another drifter cover. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it was like an overly important scene, but it just helps emphasize the fact that like he just cannot find a place in this world. No. And he just keeps trying. And obviously the, it's very subtle in that scene. That's where he overhears the people talking about that spaceship that's right. been found. And that's obviously where he's headed next, you know, which leads us to, you know, when he finds the ship and he finds out the history of Krypton, finds out his real name. And he has those scenes with Jor-El. Um, he finds the Superman suit. Um, and it's, it's very powerful because, you know, it's then, then you get the second father which is him saying, no, you can be More. a savior to these people. Right. You can give them an ideal to strive towards. You know, they will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will, you know, watch you in the sun. I forget that part. But, you know, in time, they will, you will help them accomplish wonders. Well, um, isn't that a little bit of a metaphor for this whole DC universe? Yeah. It really is. I mean, like, I don't know it if it wasn't tough. intended that way, but tell yeah. me it didn't exactly follow that trend that like, you know, he started the whole thing with the, he was the first in this universe and, and they were following him and then they stumbled and they fall, they fell and they went a different direction, but ultimately they're coming back to it because, and that's why I think, like you said, then we said at the beginning, this, this film is going to be one of those ones that down the road is like, this is the, iteration of superman yeah and and it's the same thing like it's and I, I don't not everybody knew what to think or what to agree with and you know some people truly hated it but i've talked to some people that hated it when they first saw it and they came back and watched it you know five years later and they're like jesus that movie was awesome like what the hell was i thinking there's a lot but, of people like that but they went in with the notion of well it's well, we live in an iron man thor world and they were expecting more something along traditional Superman and didn't like it because it wasn't. Yeah. And I, I think as as the comic book genre grows, we need to, you know, as, as audience members need to learn to accept there's more than one way to do a storytelling in a specific genre. It doesn't have to go one way. Horror films don't have to be patterned one way. Action films don't have to be patterned one way drama same thing superhero films same thing not right. everything has to be alike because when everything's alike they all suck yeah eventually <laughs> the 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 formula gets tired out and it becomes predictable right and it just it saps out all the originality um which leads us to superman's first flight man oh my god i love that scene i love that scene <sighs> It's just beautiful. It's so well shot. Like the everything about it, like the lighting, the the score. It's just when he puts his fist down on the ground yeah, and on like, the rocks rays. Oh, oh man, it's so many, so many chills, so many chills. Oh, dude, it, I the, love that scene. The smile he has on his face when he realizes he has it, mm -hmm. and then just he goes flying around. I mean, honest to God, if you could go, if you could fly. What would be the first thing you did? I would fly around the world. That's exactly what I would do. And that's what he did. It, makes, he it did. almost like takes it almost like I love that it's it's him discovering like his abilities as an alien. But he does the first like most human thing that you could ever do when you realize that you can fly. 
yeah. that flies around the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out for a spin. Right. <laughs> and the sonic booms that go off. Oh, right? it's so cool. Like it like shattered it like rattled the theater when I was when I saw it. It was so cool. Yeah, man. It's just that's that's one of my favorite scenes. Um, obviously, it's on this list. Uh, you are not alone. Zod's entrance. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was super eerie. Um, yeah. Had a little bit of like some horror or the ring type feel to it. And I appreciated that. Um, I also like that he's the reason why they discovered that there's Superman, you know, um, like I like that. It wasn't just like a cat in a tree. And then suddenly there's Superman. I like that, that really the first encounter wasn't with Superman. It was with Zod. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, him saying you are not alone and he finds that he does it in all the languages. Yeah. Which doesn't make it just an American thing. It makes it a global thing. Yeah. And he's studying. That means he's been studying the earth and all its languages. Or at least they have the technology to do that. To do that. Yeah. It was very, it was very, yeah. Superman visits the priest. Now I get it. This is a scene that's a bit on the nose with, you know, the, the uh, stained glass of Jesus in the background behind Superman. Yep. But I really like that style of storytelling where it's it doesn't tell you it shows you. I prefer to be shown. I don't like it when things have to tell me how to feel. And I really like the symbolism of him going to talk to a priest about something, you know, and what that would what that is is kind of a symbolism of, you know, Jesus talking to one of the disciples. You know, it's, right. it's, it's very, very well done. I just like the way it's handled, you know, and then of course the priest says, you know, cause Superman is right. He's like, you know, I don't know if the people of the world can be trusted. I know Zod can't, but I don't know if the people of world can be of the world can be trusted. And the priest tells him, you know, sometimes it's a leap of faith. You, you, you have to. Right. And I, I like that it humanizes him a little bit too. Like you, I mean, you got to imagine like, he was raised on a farm in Kansas, like by humans. So like it, it, you know, regardless of how you feel or how people feel, like a lot of people put a lot of their lives in faith. And while, you know, it's kind of, there's some, some interesting similarities there. And like, they talk about later on in the universe with him being a messianic type figure, um, so it's funny, like him reaching out to a priest. So there's some, some interesting dynamic in there. I like, I like, it was just more of like the, he's seeking out any guidance that he can find. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's again, it humanizes him. Uh, which leads us to one of your favorite scenes that you've already kind of talked about. Uh, Superman allows himself to be brought in and interrogated. uh we've already talked about it a little bit but this scene like you said there's got some funny funniness to it it's kind of absurd Mm -hmm. that man is is in handcuffs 
but it's it's symbolic in the way that he's been in handcuffs his entire life and can break out of them anytime he wanted, but has decided not to. Right. And he does it to make a point. Well, the, a point, but also like he, she she says, like, why are you here? And he goes, well, you know, you kind of have to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense because they won't listen if they're not. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Wouldn't be a surrender if I resisted. Right. And yeah, I know. I love that scene. I just the, the 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 casual way that he stands up and they just pop. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's so good. It's so yeah. good. He calls a guy guy out for having lifesavers in yes. his pocket. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I, I like that. You know, and the, also the way that he, he tells him, you know, I want to help. I'm here to help, but you want to control me. You, you won't. Never will. You right. And it's I, I like that. Um, uh, Superman's fever dream. Uh, Zack Snyder loves a dream sequence. Yeah, well, I mean, he does good ones and he does some good ones. And I really, really like this one. This symbolism of the skulls. It's Superman's worst nightmare. You know, that him failed. That, yeah, that he, he has failed and Krypton will be built upon the bones of the human race. Which he feels more human than he feels Kryptonian. Yeah. And plus you get to get your first glimpse of the black super suit. So, yes, which is dope. <laughs> <laughs> really love that. Uh, again, this 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 leads into the you can save them, Cal. You can save all of them. Right. You know, which is really when I think he starts to really become Superman and embody that. Also, there is that, you know, messianic symbolism of him, you know, falling away from the ship with his hands spread open. Yeah. <laughs> like looking like a cross. Yep. I, I, I like it. I, I like storytelling like that. How do um, you? Which of course, you know, Superman, he saves Lois Lane from from the, the ship, but you know, Zod goes to Smallville to find uh Martha. And, and it always comes back to Martha. Yeah. Why would you say that name? <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we'll get into that on our BVS. Uh, but this leads to the Smallville fight scene, which, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> this is the first time I've, it's like watching a live action Dragon Ball Z fight. It's so gosh darn realistic in the sense that if two super powered beings were fighting, this is the amount of destruction that would probably happen. Well, then that was, I mean, so then that was the other like fallout with this one. And then they kind of irritatingly enough for me, tried to justify it and, or to wish it away and BBS and like a lot of the fallout with the, the Smallville scene. And then the grand scene in Metropolis was, Oh, the, the amount of death that they shown and blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but like they're godlike figures fighting in a city. Do you, do you expect no collateral damage? And then of course in BBS, like doomsday comes and, oh, he, he fell on, you know, striker Island. There's nobody on that. And they're going to go to the docks where nobody's there and they're fighting in downtown metropolis, but it's after the work day. So there's almost like, I, 
like that's irritating to me. You know, like you would have never have heard when Avengers came out, a critic come out and say, oh, the amount of destruction of New York City, like how dare they show that people are dying as a result of an intergalactic war? Like, yeah, And they, they do eventually address that in the Marvel films, but I like the way that this off the bat goes ahead and addresses it and makes it an issue because you it, it humanizes it in a way that you're kind of like you're wrenching from the amount of destruction. But that's the point. You Yeah, exactly. It puts weight on it. It's not just cool images and quippy one-liners. It adds some weight to it. Right. But then Warner Brothers backtracked in the next movie and tried to make it not happen, which was irritating. Well, they answer it directly. That's most of the, the through line of BVS is the amount of destruction that was caused and who should pay for that. And it, you know, it's the catalyst for Batman. Well, no, no, that's not the problem I have with it. That's not the problem. I like that. They address like the wanton destruction and the amount of like death. And that's the driving factor for Bruce Wayne's motivations and so on and so forth. I don't mind that. My problem is that when they finally get to fighting doomsday, all of a sudden there's there's no one around. <laughs> you know? Like I, I don't have the problem with like him leading so much doomsday to the to the port which is abandoned, but it was like they tripled down on it. They're like, oh well, like all the stuff's going down in Metropolis, Mon- and like the news is like, well, it's the it's the business district. It's abandoned during the night, and then you know, doomsday falls from the from the sky onto Stryker Island. Well, it's it's uninhabited, and then he like I don't care about the whole like. Batman trying to lead him away from people. That's good. That was done well. It was yeah. the fact that it was like, I'm sorry, but like if Doomsday's coming in downtown, there's people, you know? And I, like, I felt like that felt to me like Snyder got pressured to, or Warner Brothers or Snyder got pressured to scale back the amount of death. Because uh, because I remember after Man of Steel came out, like one of the big things critics didn't like, not just not Superman killing somebody, but it was just like it was like he had it was they were like, well, Superman had like no regard for saving lives. It's like that was literally the point. Like, but it's also he's been Superman for 30 a seconds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a day. Right. And he's fighting an army of people that were literally bred to be warriors. He was right, not. which they point out. Yeah, yeah. Even I was raised to be a warrior. Where were you raised on a farm? Like, why does he have a good farmers? Right. <laughs> it's like a diss. Where were you right. raised on a farm? But like that, I mean, that's the point. And I feel like so many people missed that point, which yeah. I think that's why a lot of people, when they go back and watch it years later, they're like, "Oh, okay, now it makes it's sense." Got, it's got but like that reaction, that snap reaction. They're like. So he's not even trying to save people. It's like, he's just trying to figure out, he just learned how to fly two days ago. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's still, he's still trying to figure this whole superhero thing. Right. Out. You know, he doesn't even necessarily know if he wants to be a super, he's still trying to figure things out. This is an origin story. Right. He's still trying to figure things out. And this movie goes with the origin process throughout the entire thing. It's not just the first 45 minutes. Then he becomes Superman and he stays Superman. No, this, this drags it out. 
right. and it makes it the whole movie, which is again why I think this movie works so well. Um, which leads us to to my 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 personal spoiler alert, my favorite scene. It's the Superman versus the World Engine, uh, and it's not the start. It's when Metropolis is being destroyed, and you have Perry Perry Wilson. Is it Perry Wilson? Perry? Oh my God! Is it Perry Wilson? It's Perry. Or, that's killing me. Oh yeah, it's killing me too brain fart it's lawrence fishburne's uh perry who is you know trying to help his co-worker out from the rubble mm-hmm. and it's kind of a metaphor for the weight of the world perry white perry white thank you crushing the world itself right and superman is the one who is able to withstand that pressure and it's him feeling that pressure of the world engine beating down on him but really symbolism of that is it's the pressure of the world beating down on him right and it's that moment when he looks up and he just shoots up that he's taking on the mantle he's taking on the weight of the world and he's bouncing it back and he's finally becoming superman right and there's something incredibly inspiring about that scene. The score is incredible. The visuals are absolutely amazing. Henry Cavill, his physical performance in that is just outstanding. I it it fills me with hope, even though there's nothing but destruction around the world. It allows it, it just helps me feel like I can be you know a, a symbol of of hope if I wanted to be. You know right. it's. It, it's just an incredibly powerful scene. It is. It's wonderful. And it's, I, I, I feel again, like I feel like a lot of people tried to take this movie with a little bit too much face value and didn't weren't watching it as for like the amount of metaphors and similarities and contrasts that, that they put into this. Like it, it's, it's way more of a drama than it is just a run of the mill blockbuster which is why that that synopsis on or breakdown on rotten tomatoes is even more like ridiculous <laughs> like yeah, it's, 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 it's not a blockbuster <laughs> it's not it's a drama that has action like yeah it's it's an introspective character study that has action in it and it's got you know sci-fi in it it's a first contact story it's not a run-of-the-mill superhero film. Nope. It's not. It's very, very different. Very, very different. And of course, this leads to the the Superman versus Zod, which is highly controversial for some reason. Uh, I dig this fight scene, man. Me too. It's awesome. It's so awesome. The destruction, the carnage. Superman is trying his damnedest to beat this guy, but this guy keeps getting stronger when throughout the fight. Well, it's because he's starting to get the powers that Superman has developed over years of being on Earth, you know? And so, he's a I mean, they're, warrior. they're not even, you can't even call them equals because Superman's just a dude, really. And yeah. Zod is a military mastermind general and warrior that now is gaining all the abilities that Kal-El has. So... Yeah, it, I mean, it's just, it's it's an awesome scene. It's so oh, freaking awesome. So awesome, which, of course, the the ending to this scene is very controversial. Oh, I'll, but hold on. I love that they throw a bunch of Easter eggs of 
of Wayne Enterprises and LexCorp and <laughs> the satellite, the gas truck. Yep. Yep. It's good stuff. So awesome. <laughs> but it's the ending of this scene that I think everyone struggles with. And it's the Superman killing Zod. I like the way that they put a character in an impossible situation. They put him in an impossible situation. They put him in a position to where he had to make a choice. Right. You know, because Zod is not going to stop. He's going to continue to destroy or try to destroy the world. You know, at this point, Wonder Woman's still in hiding. Uh, Martian Manhunter, we don't know. Aquaman's probably getting drunk at this point. Flash, oh, yeah. we don't know if he's Flash yet. Right. You know, Cyborg, he's not Cyborg yet. Batman's around, but he ain't stopping a Kryptonian at this point. No, not at this point. And the way that Zod was going about it, he was going to destroy the entire world. And it took Batman, what, two years to find that kryptonite? Right. So. Well, he didn't even find it. Technically, Lex found it. And Yeah. So it's, you're going to, the human race would have died. Yep. And it, he had to make a choice and he was yelling, pleading with him to stop, you know, and he says never. So Superman makes the call, breaks his neck. And I think it's the viciousness of it that didn't sit well with people. Well, how do you gently break somebody's neck? <laughs> Go to a chiropractor. I mean, it's, it, like, and I, I loved it. I loved, I loved that it, it, it took... It seemed to me like not only just like his physical strength, but it took all the emotional strength he had to do it. And and then he screams and cries at the end of it because he had to do something that he never thought he'd have to and take a life, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's powerful. And again, like a lot of people think that Superman doesn't kill people. You know, I don't know where that started because in Superman 2, again, to bring this up, he takes Zod's powers away from him, mm-hmm. breaks his hands, he pushes him off a cliff, and pushes him off a cliff. Yep, but but it was it was it's the you didn't see him kill him. You know what I mean? No. It's the, it's the push off the cliff versus actually snapping his neck and seeing his lifeless body fall to the, the ground. Right, just the flop, <laughs> and it's but I it, but I loved it. I thought it carried so much weight and and you know you know like that kind of thing is going to haunt him and change him and like and and that was done not just to end that threat but to set up the future and how he would handle things from that point forward yeah and it's used to build for the superman in the future because like i feel like in today's society and storytelling we want answers. We want everything right then, right there, right now. Right. And you have to let things play out. You just, you have to. Right. And plus, Especially like you said, he'd only been Superman for like two days. Yeah. He just learned how to fly like a 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's still struggling with these choices and he's still, you know, in the subsequent sequels is still trying to figure out how to handle everything, especially when it comes to politically. Right. How to handle this. Um, It's 
a powerful scene. And then, of course, the last scene I'll mention up top here is the welcome to the planet, mostly just because of the score. <laughs> the it's score. one of the best. <sighs> I, I mean, we've talked about it. I'll, I'll just listen to it. Like, I don't even need to. I don't even need the movie. I'll just pull up the soundtrack and listen to that scene. And it's just, oh, man. It's, listen, it's I, perfection. I before I do like a PR at the gym, like a personal record at the gym before I max out on anything or try for like a, a like a rep max, I turn that song on mm-hmm. because it gets me going. Definitely. Oh, yeah. it's oh my god it's so good it's yeah there's no words there's no words i mean we've talked like hans zimmer is a genius and then honestly it only gets better in bvs when you start getting batman's theme lex luther's we'll get into that when we talk about it lex luther's theme is probably one of my favorites it's just wonder woman's perfection and wonder woman's is great too like it's you could you can they cannot take away how incredible the score is throughout this series no no it's spectacular no offense to danny elfman i I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the justice league score but i love this score by hans zimmer and i love the batman v superman score they're both tremendous i own both soundtracks me too um, what would you consider your favorite scene? Favorite overall. Favorite overall. Mm. That's tough. That's tough. Because I really, really enjoy the scenes of when Clark's young and his interactions with Pop Pop Clark. Yeah. Um I, I just the the overall. I mean, Costner just owns the that role, oh, yeah, and of course, him. Costner owns every role he's in. But that's not the point. Um, <laughs> I, I just I I really enjoy like their interactions and how he's trying to do as best he can by his son, but without influencing his own decisions. You know, um, he's trying to be a strong guiding force with him without being like, you need to use your abilities or you need to hide. He's trying to set up his son for the best um, life that he can. Um, but if I had to pick a single scene, um, I'd have to go with, with oh, I don't know. I'd have to probably go with first flight. Um it's just something so like it it's simple but beautiful the lighting everything about it like that that shot with with Jorel talking in the background the sun in behind um i feel like that's the point where he makes the decision that even though he doesn't know how he's going to be superman that he is superman um and, you know, like that, like you said, the fist hitting the ground, like everything about that, not even just the flight, but everything leading up to it, like the, the, the voiceover, the whole thing. It's just, it's beautiful. That whole scene is just. It's glorious. <laughs> it's a glorious sequence. Uh, I would probably put that as my number two. My number one, I kind of spoiled it is, you know, Superman versus the world engine and the uh, destruction of Metropolis going on at the same time mm-hmm. when he 
finally that moment when this the symbolism of the weight of the world crashing down on him and him deciding to act it's just i get chills every time i think about that scene and the the music henry cavill's acting it's just it's awesome powerful all right who you gonna give best performance or before we get to that least favorite moment in scene because i know we have to have at least one do you have any that you can think of the least favorite moment is still the i will find you <laughs> I, just, I can't that that scene hurts me because there's not really any other ones that i like truly like even the like the flashback scenes like the kid actors do a great job i mean dick splash is kind of rough that one's yeah. pretty bad too <laughs> but like the, the actual acting of the kid was pretty good i didn't have any problem with that it was just that line was kind of weird um but yeah i i just the the I will find him part was a little like, I don't even have the problem with the line. It was just the fact that he kept saying it and then shouted it, you know, like, like I didn't have a problem with him, like muttering it in almost like a crazy way. I was like, okay, okay. And then he shouted. And I was like, oh, that felt like a push. Um, <laughs> that felt like a push. You know, like that, that, if I had to say one scene that I just, it would have had a little tweak, that would have been it. But otherwise, like it's very hard to find like, honestly even a bad acting performance in that the whole thing was awesome yeah. like extremely well acted um I, I just i don't know i loved it i thought it was i really don't that's that's all i got that's fine that's fine because i only i only have one and that is the line and it's at the end of the movie and we're all thinking it but we don't have to say it and that is I just think he's really hot. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no. It did, feel, it did feel a little thrown in, but at the same time, like. I get it. It, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. I get it. But I was like, oh, that feels thrown in. Yeah. That, that, that feels like you just, you had to throw that in there. But whatever. I, I just, I, I didn't like it because it didn't necessarily fit the tone of the rest of the movie, but whatever. <laughs> um, who are you going to uh, give your best performance to? I mean, it's got to go to, it's got to go to Cavill. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah. he owns that movie. A runner up for me would have like second up would have been um, like a tie between Crow and Costner. Cause they would just both play that father figure so well. They and, do. and, but the, they played it so well in different ways. You know, they both, they both went about their, their performance differently, but we're both still so influential as father figures. Um, but Cavill overall, like, I mean, he's the man. It was amazing. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, you, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That's <laughs> yeah. He, he is the quintessential Superman. He is. He just embodies everything about that character that I that I love and plays it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so only have one thing for the Does This Make Sense Award. Uh, I think this movie is pretty tight. I think they explain everything pretty well. Uh, but the one thing that I always go back to, and that is when the Kryptonian world engine when they create the um, the the phantom zone 
Mm-hmm. If everything is being sucked into the Phantom Zone at the end, how is Lois Lane falling away? I know they have to have that shot of Superman carrying Lois and flying off, but I don't get that because everything. Yeah, that- you got to point it. Never really think of that. Like everything else is pulling in and somehow she's falling away. Yeah. Somehow yeah. she's she's falling away. I don't know. I never really thought about it. But yeah, that just. That feels like I mean, it feels a little bit like a miss. Yeah, they just have to get that shot. I feel yeah. like it's just that you have to get the shot of Lois Lane falling, Superman catching her. Right. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to even think of how to justify it, but like she was right in that zone too, because like I mean, she fell out of the back of the plane when, uh, which by the way, that I can't remember the name of that actor, but he's the dude that's in, oh, was always in uh, Law and Order. Yeah. Um, good death is its own reward. Oh, great performance overall by him. The whole movie was awesome. And that and that line, like in echoing it to Feora, who also is a very underrated movie, character in the movie. Um, But I love that she echoed or he echoed that line back to her. It was so good. That was such a like a fuck. Yeah, moment. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) And it it was just it was bad. They get so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about the fact that like it hit and then my only thing is that she, maybe she was falling and fell out of the suction zone, but like it, it, it didn't really line up, which I didn't, you don't really put two and two together with it, no. but as you're watching the, like, the weight of that scene and how tremendous it is, but like, yeah, yeah you, you got a point that, that didn't really like jive with the whole phantom zone sucking in the whole area type thing. No, <laughs> no. But that's that's really the only thing. Is there anything else you want to add to that? I, I can't really think of anything else. No, I mean, no. Yeah. Everything else, like they they seem like they did a good job with like the physics aspect of things, and um, everything else seemed to jive pretty well. There wasn't anything that I was like, "Oh, come on," you know. Yeah. I hate I hate those things in movies. Yeah. I hate when there's something that I'm like, "Really? Yeah, really." It takes, it takes you out of the movie, right? All right. MVP of the movie for me is Zack Snyder. Oh, I'd agree I, with that. I'd agree with that 100%. His vision is why this movie works. His visual storytelling to me is why this movie works. He's able to take all these themes and take a super superhero like Superman whose biggest critique is often not he's not relatable and make him relatable in almost every sense of the word yeah he humanizes an alien yeah he he humanizes an alien and and puts so many again so many themes and weaves them together so seamlessly i i adore Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. He's really only made one movie to me um, that I haven't necessarily liked. And that was uh sucker punch. But even with sucker punch, like you were saying up top, it's a visual treat, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I mean, that movie has, that's a whole nother story of like the amount of issues that movie has. I'm not really sure what happened with him on that one. I think he was just trying to make the most like, visually grasping film that he could make. And I would say that he did, um, but the story, <laughs> the acting, like there were some issues with that movie, but that's a whole other, yeah. whole other story. 
But yeah, Zack Snyder, thank you for Man of Steel. Yeah. Thank you for the DCEU. Give me more. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please. Um, so why would you, at the end of the day, really recommend this movie? I mean, I know we've talked about it ad nauseum, but well, the, in the, short. I think the hour and 40 minutes that we led up to this. Is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I just think like it's it's it takes a very difficult character to, to portray correctly and nails it. Um, it. It doesn't feel hokey. It doesn't feel wooden. It doesn't feel anything, you know, on any of the levels of extremes. It was very well acted. It's very well portrayed. The supporting cast, every one of them is phenomenal. We didn't, we didn't even touch on Amy Adams because I feel like while she was great in this movie, I feel like she was better in BVS. I feel like they delved into her character a little bit more. Yeah, you see um, Lois Lane doing a lot more. Even though she does reporting in this, you see her doing a lot more reporting right. in BBS. Right, especially Ultimate Edition. Yes. Um, but, I mean, the whole cast just... Every, I, don't, I don't have a, a really anything negative to say about the film, which for me is saying a lot because generally speaking, I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to movies. Um, I find a lot of issues and flaws or I have issues when there's movies that I can honestly like go in and I know how it's going to end, which I feel like a lot of superhero movies are. Yeah. I mean, obviously we knew he was going to defeat Zod and it's not like the super Superman's going to die. But, um, (laughs) that's for another story. Yeah. Uh, I liked that they went a different route. I would never have guessed that Zod, he was going to snap Zod's neck. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. It's the, the story um, to how you get there. Right. And I, and I, I just, I enjoyed the whole concept of his rise from being, and he still is like, it's not even at the end of the movie. He's suddenly the shining, you know, light. He's not through that. He's not that through BVS or Man of Steel. Like we obviously know he was going to be in Justice League. Um, but we still hadn't seen him really ever show him for who he is. Yeah. He never really stood in front of the human. He hadn't even really fulfilled what Jor-El said he could do is be, you know, the one that stands in front of the human races, their beacon. Like it kind of started a little bit in BVS, but then, you know, the politics get into it and the, and then Lex's manipulation gets into it and it drags him back down. Becomes and, muddled. Yeah. And I, I love that. The, like, I love that they didn't have just the one movie character arc. Uh, I mean, granted, I understand like, and you're wrong. It's one of my all time favorites of uh, the first Iron Man that like you get the down end of, you know, Tony Stark playboy. Then he hits rock bottom. And then by the end, I am Iron Man, you know, like the whole character arc happened in one movie. And, I love that Snyder had this plan that it was going to take multiple films for him to truly become embrace and become that beacon of hope and light. Um, I like that. It wasn't just like a one and done here we are. Here's and then now I am Superman, you know, yeah. like, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I, I, I love this movie. And the reason I would recommend it echoing a lot of what you said is also because 
I think a lot of flack gets thrown Superman's way for being a non-relatable character. Oh, he's too perfect. Or, oh, you know, he has no flaws. Or, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with him. And to me, the thing about Superman is that he is a god trying to be human. He's a god trying to find his humanity. And trying to find out who he is. And this movie captures that. It makes him relatable. And it makes you inspired but it also shows you the weight of the world and the consequences of someone having that kind of power and how the world respond and clearly you know the world responded in a very divisive way to this movie when it initially came out and you know it's garnered a lot of acclaim after the release a lot of people seem to love it a lot of people want man of steel too hopefully one day it'll happen you know i, I love cavill as superman I, or at I least give me him and shazam and black adam Oh, dude! <laughs> oh, don't, don't don't tease me. Don't. <laughs> like, I just I adore this movie. I love it. It's you know, for me, when I think of great superhero films, my top five. You know, no particular order. You know, The Dark Knight, Logan, Man of Steel, BVS, Guardians of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are the solid five. Thank you. Yeah. It's those are like my superhero films. And I also love Avengers Endgame. That would maybe squeak in there, but like I liked Infinity War more than Endgame. And I get that. It's it's a little bit more of a uh structured movie. And and it doesn't have as many uh gaping plot holes as Endgame has, but Endgame is an incredibly incredibly just satisfying movie yeah absolutely absolutely Um, but this movie to me is it 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 shows that the comic book genre is not limited to just one way of doing it there's several ways of doing it you can take a character serious and and do a different interpretation and modernize the character in an attempt to make him or her feel more relatable. And at the end of the day, that's really why I would recommend this movie is because it's very thought provoking and in many ways. Um, but yeah, man, um, that'll really do it uh, for this week's show. I know we, we talked a long time about this movie and, you know, clearly Corey and I both really, we've talked about this movie a lot <laughs> in the past. We, we both really love this movie. Um, and lucky for me, I'll get to have Corey again next week to talk about Martha. <clears throat> I mean, uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman ultimate edition. I'll again, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm super happy that you're doing this with me, man. I'm, I'm really happy that you're going to be a guest. I, I promise. I look forward to doing a BBS as long as you promise that when the Snyder cut comes out, we do the review. Oh, of course. Okay. That's a given. <laughs> I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm so excited to be talking about Batman v Superman, a film that I think is absolutely brilliant, you know, and, and, and ultimate edition. Oh yes. Ultimate the, edition. The ultimate. The key. Yes. I still really like the theatrical edition. I do too, but you lose so much. In you lose 30 minutes. <laughs> 
but it's not just but like it, it i mean we'll talk about it at length with with that but like it's not just that like the pacing is better the story's better the motivations are better there's just yes everything no nah. Don't get me started, but we'll talk about it next time. (laughs) The plot is definitely more fleshed out. It's more clear, and it leaves less up to the imagination and more showing you what happens. Right. Right. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest content that I have for you guys, you know, and be sure to rate this show and leave a comment. It really helps us out a great deal. And, you know, while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Ben Davis movie podcast, where I post reviews for more up-to-date films and share articles. I write uh, from the site. I write for Sif pop, but anyway, guys, till next time, stay classy. 